almost live from a library near you, this is Hellions Talks, starring the masked library, Kevin Hellion. He is the lauder of the long box, the hero of the hall, and he's on a mission to bag and board them all. Now the Retro Network proudly presents a talk show of comic proportions. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a brand new episode of Hellions Talks. My name is Kevin. I am your host for today, and we have a brand new independent comics interview for you today. My guest today has, uh, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go ahead and do it. He does not know that this is coming, but frequently when people send me things, I like to talk about it at work and with certain friends and all and kind of get my feelings out and my opinions, and, and I workshop it that way. So when I do the interviews, I know what I'm going to say. And so... My guest today, Chad Perkins, writer of the comic Blue Lullaby, and artist is Andrea Montano. Um, I read it, and I went into work, and I said, this is so good, and this is so <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> and Aww. so I had co-workers like, why is it fucked up? I'm like, let me tell you what happens. And they're like, oh. I said, yeah. <laughs> and I had one's like, I don't read comics, but that sounds really interesting. I'm like, I know. <laughs> And I didn't know what's coming. You're just like, hey, I got this book. You want to read it? I'm like, yeah, sure. It looks really pretty. And I like this idea. Oh my God. <laughs> and okay. I mean all this, I mean all this positive too. Well, thank you. I'm legit if there was on video, my my face would be very bright red right now. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, well, yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I'm glad your coworkers also thought it was fucked up. I hope it got them into comics too, because you know, there's some crazy stuff out there. I have been trying to get co-workers into comics since I started there. Um, you don't know. Uh, frequent listeners know. I work in a library. Oh. Yeah. So I try so hard to get other people into comics. Uh, myself and the guy I usually work with most days. Um, when we're sorting through the books, here's the new books. Here's the books that are being transferred. The books come back, whatever. We have a stack going of ooh, I gotta see if the I gotta see if there's a wait list for this or if I can take it home today. <laughs> and it's usually comics every day. Really? Well, that's awesome though, because libraries need more focus on graphic novels as well, because they are a they are a medium art form when it comes to reading. And it actually gets people into reading more books. So truth. Oh, sorry, I apologize. No, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, one of the things that I did with one of my buddies to get into comics, I handed him Chew. I go, do you like X-Men? He's like, yes. I'm like, do you like food? He's like, yes. I'm like, read this <laughs> right now. And he did, and he was hooked ever since. So it works. I'm telling you, do Chew. Well, and I'm going to double back around here in a second. Sure. But that's that's one of the things I've tried is what is someone interested in? Let me find a comic that fits that mold that's already exist instead of, oh, you need to read the brand new issue of Avengers or Justice League. No, you don't. Unless you want to be absorbed in all of that continuity. No, you don't find something that's like a self-contained, even if it's multiple vol volumes like two, they could read that first one. That's six issues and know if they want to continue or not. Exactly. It can be self-contained, or they would know. Oh, I, 
you know, I enjoy it. I want to keep going or that was fun, but I'm good or I had no interest. They would know right from that. So when people are like, oh, I just saw the Batman. Where do I start for Batman? Do I start in issue one? I'm like, 1939? No, you don't start there. Let's read a couple that are like iconic, classic, and self-contained, and then we'll see what you like. Exactly. Just do Batman Hush. There you go. Hush is your go-to? Hush and um, uh, The Last Night on Earth. All right. So I I think I'm, I'm having a guess here because I'm in my uh, early 40s and I'm having a guess that you're younger. <laughs> Just yes, based on these answers. I am. So I am 32. OK. And so I not, not like too far off. <laughs> so not too far off. But all right. So when this is what I was going to double back to then. So. How were you growing up? Would you call yourself a geeky kid growing up? Did you discover comics later? Um, with you being 32, there was a little more acceptance in the air already. Not quite. But I mean, when I grew up, geek and nerd were definitely four letter curse words. Yes. You know, right. and it was a it was a little bit better and it's a lot better now. But I got to f- imagine even if you did enjoy comics at the time. And let's see, my cousins are about 10 years younger. So you have been growing up with like Power Rangers. Yes. Whereas I was watching it, quote, ironically, and because I'm babysitting and not because Amy Jo Johnson's on it. <laughs> well, you know, Johnny Young Bosch, though, when he's on it, or Jason David Frank. I mean, come on. <laughs> They're hot. <laughs> no. no. But, so when, when you were a kid then, was did you have an interest in comics and superheroes and cartoons or whatever? Or was it a, a, a thing that you got turned on to later in life? Um, so actually, I was actually an outdoors kid when growing up. Um, I actually did a lot of rollerblading, a lot of biking, just a lot of adventuring and exploring. Um, but at home, I would watch more of the cartoons. So I, I loved the old 90s Spider-Man cartoon, Gargoyles. Uh, God, what was the other stuff that was on at the time? The old X-Men uh, VHSs. Mm-hmm. I had the original 90s cartoon on VHS. Like the first, what, it came with three episodes back then? Yep. Yep, yeah, that's all so they I, could fit on the tape at the time. I I worn that tape out. So I was always into the superhero genre, um, but mostly with the cartoons and movies and all those. I didn't get into comics until I was about 21. So I, it's I'm still very I wouldn't say fresh into it, but there's there is a lot to explore. You know, um, my first comic was Michael Bendis's Moon Knight. Really? It was technically You're 21, though what at 21 well it's 2011 no Did no I no. Say... i mean your age oh i'm 32 yeah in 2011 my first comic was uh moon knight from bendis that is not a light one to start with no it's not <laughs> <laughs> at all it's legitimately about uh ptsd and multiple personality disorders like verbatim it's a crazy book. Uh, and then I learned very, very early on that Bendis can only write six issues and then it stops being good. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> So that was my first one. But my first collector's comic was actually Ultimate Spider-Man number one uh, when he first appeared. And then I lost it because I was a dumb little kid. Um, yeah, I sold I sold mine and I wasn't uh, a dumb kid at the time. And I sold it for like 50 bucks. Yep. And, and now it's. Yep. It's up there. However, I do have Batman Damned, the Batawang. So I do have that. <laughs> the Batawang. 
because I wanted it. Forgot about um, Batwing. But I did also believe that the Justice League of America were fake. So I thought those were fake toys because I had those as well growing up. You thought they were fake? Like you thought it was like designed just to be a toy line and not actual comics? Yes. Uh, Dude, I was like six. (laughs) No. Yeah, because up until Justice League Unlimited, unless you found like an old Super Friends cartoon in syndication, like Boomerang or something, you weren't going to see it. Exactly. Um, I mean, I didn't know who the Questioner or the Creeper were until I watched Justice League Unlimited. No one knew. (laughs) He had had to be deep into comics for those ones. You sure do. But yeah, so now I've been... Now comics have taken over my life, and now I make them. So, so what what drove you to get Moon Knight of all things? Were you like in a bookstore? Did a friend take you into the comic store? Were you like at school or something, and it just showed up? Like, so I walked. I actually walked into a Comic City, which is um, in Canton. By the way, where are you from? I am in Rome, New York. Oh, okay. So do you uh-huh. remember? Okay. Well, maybe not. Do you remember Woodstock 99 at all when they lit everything on fire? No. Okay. Cause that was here. <laughs> oh, well, that's not I'm, good. I'm glad you're I'm okay. Like, well, yeah, I, yeah, it was a while ago. That's that's uh, there's good documentaries on that. If you're not familiar with that one, that's, that was a real interesting weekend. <laughs> um, and then, uh, I grew up, uh, about an hour and a half away. I grew up closer to the Canadian border than to another major U S city. Oh, so I was closer to Canada than to Syracuse, New York when I was growing up. Oh, well, that's fun. <laughs> but anyway, so I walked, I actually, I walked into the com- the local comic shop, Comic City in Canton, and I was just sort of browsing for fun. Um, and I started talking with the owner or the, the worker that was there. And I, oh, I think he's the part-time owner. I think he is the co-owner now. It's been a while um, since I've actually spoke to him, but uh I was just talking with him about comics and Moon Knight was just sitting on the shelf and I'm like, Hey, that character looks like, well, probably Batman. Who is this? And then I looked at the art and I forgot who was on the art or the run for that art. Uh, that I'm terrible with artist names, but, uh, I picked it up and I started flipping through it and I'm like, so this guy pretends or Wolverine and Captain America and Spider-Man are, kind of hanging out with him but it's all in his head and the the guy working there at the time was like yes and i go all right cool i will take issue one two and three and i've been hooked ever since so it was really just i thought the cover was cool and then the idea was cool now and then did you uh, almost like a drug dealer come in the next week and say, that was good. What else do you got for me? That That's a good way of putting it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So actually after that, I started collecting, um, cause that right around that time, the new 52 line was coming out. Um, so when they started releasing all these books and they had a list, I'm like, Oh shoot. New 52 static shock. That was an okay book. Now that I look back at it. Um, but I grew up with that cartoon and I was like, oh, cool. I can now start static. I can start Aquaman. So I just started getting more into the DC line because it started to reboot. Um, and then Marvel, I gradu—I gradually went to the Punisher because, well, Moon Knight. Yeah. And then right to the Punisher. And now I have a Punisher skull in every room of my apartment. <laughs> See, and I, Moon Knight, my first introduction is he was for a short amount of time in the West Coast Avengers. 
and, my god <laughs> yeah yeah and he was pretty much just like businessman moon knight at the time like he's a hero he's got his plane and all but they didn't deep dive like they have been so he was yeah. honestly forgettable back then well yeah because he was just batman at yeah, that time he um, really was the only cool thing he did in that line there was a split between the team uh a team member let a villain die that she could have saved and she's like i didn't kill him i just didn't save him and the team split in half depending on whose side they were on for it oh so, man yeah, Where so moon knight, yeah moon knight went with her he's like i would have done the same thing yeah no i honestly i kind of agree <laughs> yeah. i would have i would have went with her too that also sounds just like Civil War. In a way, yeah. Yeah, and this was like early mid-80s when this story was going on. Man, but when they say I, that comics are running out of ideas. No, they just keep repeating. It's it's always repeated. What What is it? There's only like nine stories and it's just recycling those ones. Oh, God, yeah. If you lined up every single Batman story, I probably could only name you the story based on the villain, not necessarily the story. Because <laughs> the oh, yeah. are really the same. Yeah, and that's the thing. For Batman, it'll be like, oh, here's a good Penguin story. Here's a good Riddler story. Here's a good this, that. And it's after the villain. Unless it's something like uh, No Man's Land, where there isn't a villain, because it's a freaking earthquake. Mm -hmm. People don't really remember the name of the story arc. They just remember who the villain was. Yeah, or like whatever happened in the Cape Crusader. God, that's good. That's Dude, Neil Gaiman is a freaking genius on that (laughs) run. Um, nobody remembers what happened to Batman or anything, but we can tell you that Alfred was the Joker and it was all a stage play. Yep. Yep. Like, spo- spoilers if you haven't read it, but you probably should. It's so good. Oh, it is. Um, <laughs> all right, but we're, we we don't have to talk about other people's work. We got to talk oh, about yours. That's right. We're yeah. here to talk about mine. You you have to review stuff all the time. Anyways. True. So you get to Moon Knight, you start getting into some other comics. Mm-hmm. Did you think that you were going to want to start writing? Were you already a writer on your own for other things? Or did this awaken something in you and you said, I want to do this as well? Um, I actually didn't. I actually wrote my first because I, I was getting into comics and I really enjoyed the storylines and just exploring all the different characters. And. I got my first flat with my girlfriend. Now, now she's my wife. Um, unfortunately, don't don't mar- look. All you girls who are going to marry a comic book nerd, don't do it. <laughs> um, I ended up writing a um, mafia story because I was also really into Hitman Reborn and anime at that time too. Um, so I started writing just a, a nice script and I pitched it to Dark Horse, but I just never looked. Like- just blind pitch i just blind pitched it i sent in a it was a 45 page script it was awful um now that i look back on it yeah it was terrible and i sent it out in the mail first class and i didn't even check that there were submission guidelines because i had no freaking idea um and then as i as i started um going more and more to comics i started a podcast called comics are cool which you can probably find it archived somewhere um, where we started just talking about comic book news. And then one thing led to another and I decided to create my own stuff because then I got more familiar with it. Um, The great way to get started is just to talk to other creators 
um, and just kind of get tips from them on what they would do with a comic or how they got started. Cause a lot of that stuff is really useful information. Um, well, and I think part of it is it all seems so daunting. You see the universal you, not you, Chad, you, you see the finished product mm-hmm. and it's just finished. And no oh. one thinks of how long it took for the writer to write it, the artist to draw it, revisions, editing, all the process that went into it. It may have been months, it may have been a year, it may have been longer than that to get to this finished product. But when someone sits down that wants to do it, they can't fathom how long it'll take or it seems like so much work to get to the end. Everyone knows the butterfly effect, but no one wants to be the butterfly cause. Let me do a little thing right now that will pay off later on. Exactly. And everybody wants to rush it as well. You know, when you hire an artist, you don't realize what they're doing behind the scenes either. Um, I will tell you right now, pitching to different companies is a nightmare. And I think it's getting more and more tedious now. Uh, Sitting down and writing the script does become mind numbing because sometimes you'll just be going, I'm really exhausted. I'm tired. I I don't want to do that. And you'll start slacking on it, believe it or not. And I'm pretty sure you've heard this before. A lot of writers are very lazy sometimes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like people don't really understand how much work it really comes into. And I ended up learning when I was writing Blue, when I really started to do it and exploring and looking at scripts. Like I would pull out what Al- Alan Moore's Swamp Thing, I think, has the old scripts in the back still. Um, or Kevin Smith is caco- Batman's Cacophony. Mm. Um did, did that that had the the that has the scripts in the back i think he he has all of his lots of places too yeah so i started looking at those and analyzing them and then Raylan grant told me chad there's no script format um anymore you're free to break down whatever script you want so i ended up doing panel one two and three style <laughs> so um where it was just page one panel one page two panel two so and, and really i think that would depend on the artist that you're working with too and whatever their style is Mm -hmm. if the artist wants it broken down by panels and tell me exactly what you want to see then you play towards that if the artist wants to flow a little more freely as long as the overall message for each page is the same what's that matter but that's artist prerogative though oh god yeah but stuff like what i try to do though is if the artist wants to get creative they're free to um, especially with my other couple of projects that I'm working on. But with this one, Andrea pretty much had full control over the designs. Um, she actually called Blue's original design stupid. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, Chad, you can't do that. I don't want you to. Uh, but yeah, so that's that was my that's pretty much how I got into comics and everything. And I started it's it's been a it's been a grind, but the payoff has been pretty great. Um, considering the other stuff that happened, but we won't talk about that. No, no, no. Uh, the world of COVID. Yes, yes. Enough people have talked about that over the last two years. We don't need to do that as well. Oh God! But let me tell you though, it's been <laughs> awful since COVID. <laughs> so, I have to imagine that there's also quote a day job and yes. other commitments in life. So, how do you go and? find the time or make the time or force yourself to get more writing done. And I, and I just use myself for an example. 
I get mad at myself when there's a day where I'm like, all right, it's time to go to bed. And I didn't write anything today. I waste a lot of time on social media or YouTube or something, but I didn't, I could have taken that hour or two and actually done something productive with it. And you beat yourself up for that a bit. Sure do. Um, So usually what I end up doing, especially when it came to writing blue is I would always try to read a horror book or I would make it a, I would make it a point to either do two things and they're both kind of dumb. Um, Blue's inspiration was originally supposed to be Five Nights at Freddy's. Um, okay. That was his original design was supposed to be a bipedal elephant type creature originally. Um, and then Andrea said that was stupid. And she's like, Chad, anything that you put bipedal and if it's an elephant or a pig or anything like that is going to be scary. We want something to be a little bit more cuddly. Um, but I would always try to do something horror related in order to get into the mindset of writing. Um, I've also been, and this is not very interesting. It's, I also have a planner as well. Um, so if I write at least two pages a day, I get to put a little sticker on my planner. <laughs> so now, are, are you considering them like a full page panel one, panel two, all the breakdowns and everything? Yes. Yep. So I ha- it has to at least be two pages with panel breakdowns where it's like panel one or page one, panel one, panel two, um, or page one, panel two, page one, panel three, and then so on and so-, so forth. But it's actually been helping me a lot now that I've been putting, getting stickers, doing more horror stuff, or just any th- project that I'm working on. I always try to explore the medium. Um, it's been helping a lot lately to push me to actually start writing. So and also, too, my wife also will do stuff. But anyway, I'm not, we're not going to talk about that. So, Kind of kicking your butt a bit if you're not yeah. getting stuff done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, and it's funny you say that you, you did go ahead and look at other stuff in the genre. Um, Robert Kirkman said many times that he hadn't watched or sorry, he hadn't read World War Z yet because he didn't want it to influence his own zombie story. So he would actually ignore other things in his genre. So he wasn't uh, indirectly copying anything, or subconsciously. Really? Yeah, huh. yeah. I don't know if he. I don't know if he's done it now. You know, the comic's over, but the show's still going. So I don't know if he's gone back to it. Well, no, he has money. <laughs> no, I, so much money. I, I, I know what you mean, though. Um, no, so I. That's how I really gain my inspiration when it comes to designing stuff or just. Um, coming up with the storylines like my my like blue was inspired by a short story that I found on Reddit. Um, the first three pages are actually the verbatim of what that story was. Um, and I fell in love with it. It literally follows the story of like blue is, is about um, this monster under the bed that saves a girl from child abuse. Uh, what happens, though, afterwards is completely all me. Um and after that, I kind of gained more inspiration from The Punisher, Buffy. Um, I ended up reading a lot of Batman and actually Colder by Paul Tobias. Are you familiar with that story? I, I know of it, but I haven't read it yet. It is very underrated. Uh, I definitely recommend people should check that book out. Actually, I think that's it's Paul Tobin. I'm, I'm an idiot. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, well, like when you initially sent me the pitch or sorry, the the volumes for review and everything, I saw the pitch and I'm reading it as um, more like a imaginary friend protects the girl from monsters. 
Mm-hmm. And then it was just kind of like a reference I was going towards. You have uh, Lions and Tigers and Bears was a stuffed animal comic many years ago with that sort of idea. Um, I had just been reading Something is Killing the Children. And you have her little uh, octopus totem thing there. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, all right, where are you going with this? And then you went somewhere completely different. And I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. He's um, a mo- he, it, blue, is a monster protecting against worse monsters. Y- yeah. Oh, damn. <laughs> yes. Um. So the actual original story, when I came up with the idea... Um, after I read that script or that I read that short story and I do recommend going to read it. Um, I think it is just called monster under the bed. Um, it's somewhere on Reddit, but when I first started doing the idea, I was like, okay, well, I can't just make it about that. I, I can't just make it where this monster travels around and kills people or, you know, defeats the, the inner monsters worse than himself. I have to add something else to it. Well, then I ended up going, well, what uh, what do I like? Well, I like Constantine. I like the Punisher. Oh, my God, I can do a detective story, I think. Um, so I ended up just gain- going, okay, who's going to be the protagonist with him? And that's when I came up with Witter, who is literally just... Are you familiar with uh, Jody from Supernatural? Yes. And I, I didn't finish Supernatural. I didn't watch okay. all 20 seasons, but I did watch a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, so she is just a Jody Mills from Supernatural and Buffy. Um, so it was, yeah. <laughs> I, I can see that. And it's, so peak peak for myself here, I don't do stuff where things happen to kids. That's usually mm-hmm. my limit. So, um, like my my ex and I, we were watching Criminal Minds. There was an episode that was very intense with things happening to kids. I said, "I'm out. I'm done. You can watch the show on your own. I'm done." And I never watched another episode since. Um, I was watching it, Chapter One, and it was it, it was the bullies attacking the kid, which isn't Pennywise at all, but shit that happens in real life to nerdy kids, unfortunately. And I was like, I can't do it anymore tonight. I want to go back to it, but I was like, I'm done tonight for it. Your story, I get to the part that should have been my limit and usually is, but it was so good. I'm like, I got to see what happens next. <laughs> I have to keep going here. Well, thank you. That. Oh, continue. I apologize. No, I was just going to say, so you, you had me push beyond my own limits because Aww. the story was so compelling. Oh, thank you. Um, I I really appreciate that, truthfully. Um, I So when it came to the actual story itself, and it's funny you bring up it and all them, I didn't want it to be a... I didn't want it to be where it was just all scare tactics and just stuff is happening to children. I wanted it to just be also a sense of comfort. Um, so when it comes with Blue, I kind of imagined him as he's he is still a monster under his, under the bed. He is still going to be aggressive. He's going to eat you because he, he was one, he was told to, and also two, you're kind of beating up this child. But at the same time though, I wanted to show the loving side with him. Um, I wanted to show him giving the flower to Lily. I wanted him to just really care about what was happening. And I feel like when it comes to media with children, they just make it where it's, have you seen children of the corn? Yes. Okay, where it's just, it's always like, 
it's just nothing's remorseful from them. Like the kids getting beat up in it with the bullies. Like there's never any sense of warmth or nurturing with it, or at least during those stories. It's just let's see how far we can push people with children without mm. without actually giving them a sense of comfort. And that's kind of what I wanted to do. I'm um, with this one, if that makes sense. I'm just going to ramble like an idiot sometimes. No, it, it does make sense. And I, I was on a podcast forever ago. And uh, we were talking about what kids get into for their own media when they start discovering things on their own that they're into. And I was making the point that kids are drawn to monsters, whether it's yep. the imaginary monster on their bed, creating a imaginary friend, something like that, or even watching like Godzilla or King Kong. Um, TV would have our 10 year difference here. TV would have been a little different, but like Saturdays were like old monster movies on like basic cable stuff. Really? And Oh yeah. Yeah. So oh. you would have like, Oh, on today's Saturday after cartoon movies, it's Godzilla versus Rodan. And it's like the Japanese cut with all the bad lip syncing and everything. That. <laughs> but I'm seeing giant man and suit fighting each other, you know? Mm-hmm. And the psychological idea is that kids feel so confined and are told no and kept in you know a little box of like here's what you can do and you can't do anything else that they're drawn to monsters because a monster can do anything it can crumple a town it can attack a bad guy it can stay up all night it can eat what it wants to it doesn't have any rules the adults don't see it so they ignore it like there's a freedom to monsters that kids are drawn to yeah. so I'm reading I'm reading Blue Lullaby and I was like, holy crap, I want to see I like I I want to see all of Winter's story too to see how we got here. You know, from her as a little kid to what she's doing now and everything. Blue, all right, what like is there not science, but what's the magic behind blue, I'll say. You know, where where did this come from and everything? I was just so drawn to the world. And if you you mentioned there's other stuff you're working on. If that's it, if you told the story, you don't need to do anything else. Oh. But if you wanted to, there's an audience for it. <laughs> oh, well, perfect. Then I don't got to do any more work on it. Great. It's perfect. No, no. I mean, if you want to, it's okay. You don't <laughs> <laughs> no, no, actually, I have two more arcs that I'm working on currently with it. Um, so one of the things that I really enjoyed about making this world is the skies are the limit with it. You know, I can go off to any different types of characters with it. I can make it strictly about winter and blue. Um, I can make it a tw- like the twist characters or the the twist at the end. I could make it about that. So when it came to developing this world, I knew even while I was working on other projects, this would be a world that I could always expand on, even if I didn't want to focus on blue and winter. But unfortunately, that's not the case because I absolutely adore these two. Um, yeah. They play off of each other. They balance each other perfectly. Um, winter, when I created the characters, I wanted them to make sure that they were not I wanted to make sure that they were partners, but they were also not like I'm trying to explain it the best way I can. You know how when somebody preaches to you, I feel like if I continued with these characters, it could be like killing people is wrong. We probably should spare him because he's really sorry. With these two characters, I can make them as ruthless as I want to as I continue their story. Um, But we will also be seeing um, Blue's pet. Blue and uh, Winter's history as well. I know I give it a little bit away during the process, but yes, you will see them again. Well, there's uh, you mentioned the preaching from the pulpit thing. Mm-hmm. There's an openness with this being your own characters. 
mm-hmm. you can do certain things. But there's also in society, uh, it seems the people that pound the pulpit the hardest have the most to hide. Yes. You know, the ones that are anti this, anti that are the ones that are literally hiding it in their homes. So with like you're mentioning, oh, you can't have them go a route where they are preachy for it. But I think and maybe maybe because they're newer, there's also a situational and the twist that happens at the end of the series. I didn't see coming made all the sense in the world, though. I'm like, how the hell did I not see this coming? This is brilliant. And I should have seen it coming. Clues were there. Mm-hmm. I should have known this. But I didn't see it coming. And then I'm torn it. Then I'm like, on the one hand, I would do this. But on the other hand, doing this makes sense, too. And I'm not quite sure how I'm going to go for it. And also, I don't quite know the rules for the world yet, either. Because blue is something, you know, other than, quote, normal. You know, not a normal animal or person or, or something. So that opens up questions for... <coughs> sorry. Um, where do things go? Do they come back? Is there something else? How does this affect our what we do here? Are we going to just have to deal with this problem later on again anyways? Um, like, I there's interesting t- spots you could go there. Um, So I will tell you that the twist ending, yes, there is some other stuff that I am having planned. Um, It actually became one of my favorite things to create. And we can talk about that off mic as well, if you would like. Um, (laughs) But when it came to setting blue, believe it or not, blue and winter do have rules. (laughs) They actually do. Um, One, their rule is, is that blue and winter always have to be doing something that matters. Um, So winter always has to be investigating. Blue always has to be doing something weird and scary. Um, I'm sorry. What was the question? No, I was just uh, so the the ending there. What what do we do with our antagonist? And I'm being careful for people who haven't read it. Oh, um, what do we do with uh, our antagonist? Depending on the rules for your world there, because blue, I'll I'll shorthand it and say is otherworldly or not mm-hmm. normal. So depending on what you do with your own rules there, um. We don't know, uh, depending on where an antagonist goes at any point in the story, are they off the table for good or could they come back? Oh, they're 100% coming back. (laughs) I can tell you that much. Um, One of the things that was a really challenge with the rules that I set with them was what makes makes good and evil. Um, And yeah, with the twist ending, it's like, well... You could have you could have just did it, but at the same time, we we do we we protect. So what do we do now? And personally, for me, I think I made the right choice on it, um, because I think if they, I think it would contradict the the ruling, um, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Um, I am bringing. Um, actually, there's there's a couple of characters that I'm bringing back. Um, which is going to be kind of fun, but definitely with the twist that is going to come into play later. And that is going to play in the second arc. What defines a a good person? What defines an evil person or just anybody in that matter or anything? Um, Because blue's a demon through and through like he's going to want to eat. He's going to want to cause havoc, but winter is going to be there to be like his anchor. And at the same time though, blue is also winter's anchor. Um, and that's how I wanted to create them was not a, a pet sidekick duo. I wanted to make partners. 
where they will balance each other when things get rough. Um, and it was, it was actually a lot of fun designing them um, like that. I also make it too where um, if you notice with Blue's speech, he's always one, he's always going to be blunt, and two, he's always going to talk like a foreigner. Mm. Because English is not a second language. Yeah. Or English is a second language. Yeah. Um, but that also, too, that does give a sense of comfort when he speaks to kids and just other people uh, because it's like, oh, he's dumb and stupid. I'm going to let my guard down. But the, no, he's actually very smart. He just doesn't know how to form sentences really good. Uh, and yeah, it was fun. Well, and that's incredibly childlike, too. Uh, you know, thinking of my own kid, there's certain things that he has trouble communicating and it's not, it's because he just does not know the right word for it. So yeah. he's trying to say, okay, here's how I feel, but I don't know the right word for it. Cause I haven't learned that word yet. Yep. But then once he gets going, it's amazing. Like you are the smartest kid ever. Where's this all coming from? Dude, it's freaking weird. Isn't it? <laughs> like, yeah. Dude, my, my nephew, like just my brother tells me all this stuff that he's learning and just what he says, he goes, he like points at a bag of cheese and he just goes, I want two pounds of cheese, please on my enchilada. And he's like three. <laughs> now he's, uh, of course he says it in a childlike manner, but my brother's like, all right, uh, bartender, more cheese. And he'll, and his wife will throw cheese on it. So it's just, kids are smart and they're fun. Uh, but man, do they, they don't talk very well. No, no. And it's just learning it. My kid, um, we got a letter home from school about his uh, grammar and pronunciation. And he's, he's speaking a made up language. And we're like, Oh God, what, what is this? Like, we're getting nervous, you know, mm -hmm. he was talking about Pokemon in school. So the oh. teachers just didn't know who the Pokemon were and are hearing gibberish, which is understandable, but we're like, Oh yeah. He's talking about the game. He played. We knew oh. everything he was talking about. Crystal clear. <laughs> They're thinking he's making up words because he's saying, you know, Pikachu and Charmander and Squirtle and stuff. Well, first off, if the teacher doesn't know who they are, find a new teacher immediately. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it may have been when uh, the most recent one came out with uh, Score Bunny. Oh, yeah. God, I don't blame anybody who can't keep up with them. And now they got three more. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's. Man, if you would have told me a year ago we were going to be on Gen 20 or whatever, I wouldn't have believed you. Let me tell oh. you, the Pokemon Go mobile game is still fun. I, I, look, Skunk Tank is my partner, Pokemon. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I love Pokemon. <laughs> so, there is more coming from Blue Lullaby. You have, you have a plan, you have thoughts. But you mentioned that there are other things that you're working on. Are they Blue Lullaby related? Are they top secret and you can't tell us? Or can you give uh, little hints or a teaser for ideas that are coming up? Sure. Um, absolutely. I can do... So one of the ones that I just did announce was called Lyrical. Um, that's going to be through Lucha Comics. The Kickstarter should be up in June, I believe. Um, I'm still working on the actual uh, date on it. But... That one follows the story of Anthony Starr. And no, it is not Anthony Starr from The Boys. <laughs> I didn't realize his name is Anthony, but I also did not realize that his name was Anthony Starr when I created the character. But it follows a superhero called um, Lyrical, 
where when he listens to music, he gains a different power. However, I'll tell you off air. I'll tell you off air. I think Damn I know it. exactly what you're going to say. Okay. Yeah. But I won't say it. No. Because the answer is yes. Um, <laughs> but um, I ended up developing this character when it was about two years ago as I was writing the script. Um, me and one of my coworkers were listening to the mall radio playlist because we've worked in the mall for like five years. Um, oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, and guess what? They don't update the mall playlists. Nope. Um, so we were got on the topic of comic books, and we were we were just like, all right, what kind of power should we do? And that's when we started talking about music and and lyrical. Um, and then I found out there's a couple of books that are like that too. But that's okay. That's okay. Um, but that one's coming out in June through Lucha. It's not. It is not kid friendly at all um it's about the superhero who he doesn't want to be a superhero he just wants to pay his rent and that is the only way he can think of how to because he can't really get a job with his abilities because he never knows what power he's gonna get um so he ends up finding out that he starts what he does is he'll target low-end villains so like crazy quilt or Penny Peddler from the Batman, just an example of like lower class villains, but he won't fight anything bigger. Well, he ends up having to fight a bigger villain with way crazier powers. And now he actually has to get serious and actually protect the city in a serious manner for once. Or he can't pay his bills. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is a comedy. Um, it is very gory. Um, it is not kid friendly at all. And then I have another one um, that I'm currently re- with. I have an artist attached to it. Um, just got to work out the kinks and also, you know, money. Paying artists is expensive, um, but we're working out a deal and I'm really excited about it. It is just, it's about fishing. And, okay. and it's literally supernatural, but with fishing. <laughs> <laughs> so, I have those two, and then I'm also working on. I I can talk about the the next blue script a little bit, but it actually follows. Um, obviously, it follows Blue and Winter, but they are in a almost hills have eyes situation. Oh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> so I'm I'm really excited about it. Um, I've I've been pulling pouring my heart into it. And it's actually made me appreciate horror as a medium and also like in the comic book field a lot more because writing horror, I always say this writing horror, well, horror and uh, romance are probably the two hardest genres and sometimes crime um, because people don't nat people love isn't something that you can like artificially create and you can't really artificially create fear. So it's really hard to pull on heartstrings and also make somebody feel uncomfortable and anxious. Um, well, I guess uncomfortable is pretty easy because you just can stick your foot up to somebody and they're pretty uncomfortable with your foot in their face. But um, I just mean you can't really make people fear fear naturally or uh, like just artificially. So you actually have to give them something that they are afraid of. It's it's a talent to produce a media and have someone 
have trouble getting to sleep that night. Yes. And the easiest way to not get me to sleep at night is legitimately talk to me about my electric bill. Um, so that is, or I'm also very afraid of spiders. Spiders I'm okay with. Electric bill, that reminds I actually got to pay it. It's my only one that is, like, all my bills kind of lined up. They're all doing the same week except the electric one, so I always forget it because it's the one that's, like, off from the rest. Dude, it's, I feel like it's always, always one bill is always off. Yeah. No matter what. And you cannot change that. And if you can, you're probably a wizard. Well, and then mine, for where I live, had the extra expense of uh, all the heating that I had to pay for, too. Oh. I just didn't freeze all winter long. <laughs> Dang. Um, oh. But yeah, so those are, the, those are actually the ones that I'm working on currently. Um, and then, obviously, I do my podcast, The Shots with Comics, as well. Um, but I'm also working on a bigger project that I can't really talk about. Um, but I, I can tell you off mic, but I can't announce it quite yet. But hopefully it'll be done by the end of the year. And if it's not, then I have some people I have to yell at. <laughs> Dang you, Kit. I don't pay you to do anything. Um, but yeah, so that's what I'm currently working on. Well, you did mention paying people, though. I want to go back to that because... Um... Proper submissions, not just sending 45 pages out of nowhere to Dark Horse, hey. but in most proper submissions, a lot of them say you need to have a writer-artist team in place already. Correct. And that's so tough. Unless you both don't want to eat or get any money and cross your fingers that in the end you'll get money and you mm -hmm. both would have to be on the same page, then it's usually the writer creating the idea. Thus, it's the writer finding an artist and then paying for it as well. Yeah. Um Truthfully, I will, as just a rule of thumb, pay your artists before. Um, just pay them up front because that's just way better for them and they will work harder. Um, I try never to make anybody work for free unless it's voluntarily. But you are correct because nobody wants to read a 45-page script with nothing to look at. Um, so at least if you can get pencils and inks done and then submit them, that's great. But don't don't have your artist work for free and then say, yeah, but this is going to make money because guess what? Your first book probably will not make money. And I'm not saying that to be mean. It's just, it's just a very competitive market and your book might not be that good, but your second one's going to be better. And then your third one and so forth. Um, this script that you're actually reading is the, um, the first script that was released by, well, they who should not be named, um, this one's actually the sec the fifth draft of that script. Um, oh, wow. so yeah, the, f when I first submitted blue to, I'll just say it action lab. Um, I was on the second draft of the script. And I was like, great, this is good. I sent it off to Andrea. She said, Chad, your designs of blue are stupid. You can't make him a five nights at Freddy's Robbie rabbit character. We're going to give him a more lovable appearance. And then we started talking about bunnies and everything, and that's how we made the rat rabbit. Um, but I ended up, after I gained the rights back to it, I actually went back and I wrote three more drafts. Um, same art and everything, but I wanted to make the script a little bit more tighter, and there were a lot more plot holes um, than in that script. 
Um, it actually talked about how Winter and Blue were only there. They were they just started as agents. It sounds like they do here, and they are, but there's a little bit more to it. Um, but in that one, it was more like verbatim. They've only been doing it for two years. Um, we're going to send you on this next assignment. And this, they're just new to that field. Um, so there's going to be a little bit more to it, but I didn't, I kept looking at it and I go, man, this is way too streamlined. I got to shake this up a lot more. Also, they explained a lot more. But as I started going and writing more of the stuff, I realized that you don't need your characters just to say exposition all the time. Um, you can let them, the panels can show it and you can make them very brief with their stuff because you can either go back to it later or it's just a conversation that does not matter. So. No, and, and you're absolutely right for, for so many things here. Um, there's a logic to walking away from something and looking at it again a little bit later and you'll always notice things you didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the collaborative effort, like you're saying, and Andrea, telling you that the original idea sucked and becoming they're not the original idea sorry the original design mm-hmm. and becoming better through collaboration um i have uh used to be my boss and became my friend she'll look through anything i write as an editor for mm-hmm. first pass i'm like okay you gotta clean this up this isn't clear this isn't good so before i send anything out it's already been gone through by someone that does good editing so i feel like that much further ahead with it now thankfully but it's none of it like comics has got to be one of the most collaborative media out there because you could you could just write that stuff on paper all day long but you need the artists and you know depending on the book you need color you need like lettering is like you're saying with uh stuff that blue says all these things combined to make it such a beautiful thing which is why we all love comics Absolutely. And along with that, too, you're the stuff that's on paper and that's where it gets tricky is when you're doing paneling and everything and writing the stuff that you are describing on the page. When that artist takes a look at it, it has to be communication if your artist does not understand. And please listen to your artist. Like if you're sitting there and you have I want this to be a six page panel spread of like, let's say, winter stabbing somebody with a knife. Okay, well, nobody wants to see that. Or you want all these intricate details in this one teeny little panel, but it's on panel six. Like, if your artist is saying this kind of stuff and we need to shorten it, let them take control with it and just show you the end result. Um, because there's stuff in there, like like Blue's design. Recluse was actually not supposed to be sitting in a chair. Uh, his legs are actually his chair because he's supposed to be a spider but he made him more human with it instead, because that way it showed that um, that the demon realm were two separate things. Like you had the demon world and then you had the human world and he was just trying to be in the human world and not the demon world. Cause if somebody walked in there and saw a giant spider and that was your, uh, the person you were trying to hire, I, I probably would not want to, you know, work with them yeah. unless you're going to eat my enemies. Then I might have to consider. Like a, a spider for hire. Correct. Yeah, spider fi- for hire. <laughs> hey, I have an idea. No, but yeah, I just, I think it's, it is always constant communication. I mean, Andrea and I, she's currently working on Lyrical with me, but I have another artist working on my other book. Her and I still communicate just as friends as well. And I also, too, I send her my other scripts and she just 
looks them over and says, yeah, this, Chad, this is, no, you, this is not, no, you can't have, the, no, Chad, stop. Um, she's also a very angry um, woman from New Jersey. She's also <laughs> Ukrainian. Um, so talking to her on the phone, she just sounds angry. <laughs> I'm just not angry at you. No, I mean, she probably is. I don't know. But um, no, she just always sounds angry. She's actually very sweet. Um, but no, it's it's always constant communication with your artists and even your editors. And also, too, the person you get picked up with. Um, don't expect them to do the legwork for your stuff, especially in the independent world. We're not Marvel. We're not DC. We're independent people. It's just two, three people in a studio or a guy from was it uh alvarez who does monster manador and um raylan grant's aberrant that was the other one it's a guy from spain like it's it's a constant communication with these people don't just don't also drop your publisher either keep promoting that book that they picked up for you uh, because they're not going to do that legwork with advertising well they will but they won't you have to continue it even after they're done because they're going to look up, look on to the next bigger thing. Does that make sense? It absolutely makes sense. Oh, good. I was like, I don't know <laughs> what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> speaking of two people in the room, though, I think we need to talk about the podcast. Mm. Why? We're just alcoholics. <laughs> <laughs> but you're functional alcoholics. You're getting something done while also drinking. You you brought up uh, Kevin Smith before for his scripts when. Uh, he started really smoking pot after he made Zach and Mary with Seth Rogen. He said, I'm only going to smoke if I'm also doing something productive as well. So he has to be writing, recording a podcast, something else. He can't just smoke and zone out for the day. So if you guys are drinking and reporting, recording a podcast at the same time, you're functional. You're putting art into the world. Well, yeah, but alcoholism is a bad thing, man. Kevin, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But yes, you are right. Like we're so we do a podcast every um, Sunday, except yesterday because of Kit has Lyme disease. Oh, geez. Yeah, he will. He'll talk about it. He'll make fun of it. When coronavirus happened, we were at C2E2, like just when everything was about to shut down. That was the last con we did together. Um, I went up to the bar and I ordered him a Corona with Lyme. Jeez. And I just bought them throughout the weekend for him. So he, it's not something he just got. He's had it for a while. Oh, yeah. He's had it since he was 17. Yeah. Um, I, it's I, it's not fun. I will tell you that much. Um, no, I had a friend that in, a friend in New Jersey, actually, that had it. And it turned his hair white at, like, 11 years old. That's kind of cool, though. Like, it, it looked gorgeous. <laughs> and I, I realized, like... It looked amazing. I was like, that is the coolest freaking hair I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> right? It's like the guys from um, Amaranth. Like, they all have white... The the instrumental guys all have white hair, and they're beautiful. Yeah. Um, but no, we do, a, we do a podcast where we don't do fluff pieces. Um, we're called Shots with the Comics, and what we do is we will give... We will break down your book. We'll look at it. We'll tell you if it's bad. If it's good, great. We'll sing its praise. But if it's bad, we will rip it apart. Um, of course, we won't be we'll be some of the jokes that we make are mean, but we always just try to make it so we're not trying insulting your book. We're trying to encourage you to do better, because if you can come right back around and say, 
you guys were wrong. My book did awesome, and now I have a second one. It's even better. Great. You didn't quit creating. Um, but we do it at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time um, on Twitch. We also are doing it on Twitter now, and then it's all uploaded to Anchor and YouTube every Tuesday, except today because I had this interview, and I'm also lazy this week um, because <laughs> we are. I'm going to a furry convention. Oh, yay. Um <laughs> You saying oh yay sounds like it's not by choice. Uh, well, Kit is in the fandom because he does his own comic book, um, called False Start, and it's an LGBT book. Um, I can send. I think I did. I send you, it to you. You you did. Um, I'll say side note. I'm still debating what to do with it. Dude, trust me. <laughs> nobody knows what to do with it, and I <laughs> always try to sell it because he's my best friend. Um, but he's into that community, and he's trying to get out of being known as the furry comic creator. He actually wants to get his books out because they're good. Um, neither one is bad. Uh, Vampire Hunter Boyfriend's a smut book. Um, it's just two guys having sex and killing vampires. That's pretty like cool. You do. Right, yeah. I mean, if I'm hunt- look, if I'm hunting vampires with you, you're damn right after a mission we're going to have sex. <laughs> no homo, but we're having sex. Um but so we we do though we do that. But I'm going. He goes to for the furry conventions, and one of the big ones is Motor City Furcon. Well, I go and help him send his sell his uh his porn and his art. It's his actually erotica. a lot of fun. What? His erotica. It's not. Yes, it is. Oh, Vampire Hunter <laughs> Boyfriend. Yeah, God, yeah. There's a ton yeah. of porn at those furry conventions. Yeah, we'll we'll give. We'll <laughs> Good lord. Um, it's actually coming to print. That's his first one that he got into print. By I the mean, way. Good. Oh, as I say, by the way, if you ever, ever do a porn book, it's going to be very hard to find a printer to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a huge market for it, too, but mostly in text. Once you start adding the art, too, then people are like, oh, it's like, OK, but if I go on like uh, Amazon Kindle self-publishing, there's hundreds of these and they're selling. Yeah, but that's all text. No one wants to look at it. Well, apparently someone does. Uh, yeah. X soup. Have you ever have you heard of X hero or X supers? Uh, X supers. Yes. Yeah. I've so uh, me and one of my me and my best friend, Sarah, and my wife, we were all going to C2E2 um, and we actually listened to the audio book of the first book in the car while driving to C2E2. And it was one of the funniest things ever. <laughs> Dude, they're really funny. My, uh, my friend that I mentioned earlier, that's my editor. She was on her uh, flying to a convention, I think. Mm-hmm. And the person sitting next to her was going to a furry con somewhere in uh, like Arizona, California area. I forget. And she's texting me the whole time, like, what is this? Because she she doesn't know comics. She doesn't know cartoons. She doesn't know a lot of stuff in pop culture. And that was her first time hearing about it at all. Yep. So she's like, I have no idea what this person's talking about. And I need help. Like, not help, like, give me away, but help. Like, I don't know what is going on. So she keeps texting me the whole flight, like, okay, what is this? And I'm hamming it up. I'm making, like... You're making like the worst thing ever. Oh yeah, I'm making it worse than it is, <laughs> just to bother her. Dude, no, I know, and I, I hate. And, and not worse than it. Like it's not bad at all. I'm just saying, like I was, I was, I was angling for to get her going. Oh, absolutely, and it, it's always as fun with the the people who are not familiar with the actual, um, 
culture. Guess that's the word I can use. Lifestyle. Um, yeah, lifestyle. That's a good way to put it too. Um, they are all just really big nerds. Yeah. Uh, like I, when I go to these conventions, I always play it up like I don't really want to be there. Um, because I'm actually in one of his chat groups as well, and I always will tell them I hate furries. <laughs> and they know I'm joking, but at the same time, though, I'm not joking because it just depends on which one you are. <laughs> um, right. But... And in, in any sub genre group, there's people that are going to be champions of it. There's people that are going to be bad stereotypes of it for oh, everything. A hundred percent. That's why I was really happy that a lot of the uh, the furries really did like blue. Um, they think he's sweet and cute and lovable. But one of my biggest things that I told them, though, is just you can do anything you want with him, but please do not make winter and blue an item. Because I'll go with that. Yeah, like yeah. that is you can you can draw him sexy for all you want. Like, that's fine. You can have him do all kinds of stuff. But winter and blue as an item are completely off the table because they're partners and that's weird. Yeah, I'll give you and, that. And we've all read Twilight. We don't want something like that. I, I, we also I, don't want something like um, uh, Ash, uh, Kelly Armstrong is bitten as well. Did that fall apart? What? Oh no, those are great books. Um, there, but there's a there's an indication that when the werewolves are items, they switch back and forth on which one's the wolf and which one's the human when oh. they when they bone. I could see it. I um I worked at Borders years ago when that chain was still around, mm -hmm. and the urban fantasy novels were huge at the time, huge sellers. And I really got into the Patricia Briggs, Mercy Thompson line until like something happened in it that I thought, all right, I can't like I was pissed off at the writer for doing it and I dropped it. Oh, but I, I kind of want to go back <laughs> though too. see if it recovers. Yeah, I was really into Simon R. Green's The Nightside novels. Uh huh. Um, and those were have you ever read those? I have. It's been a long time. I was oh, going man. through because this was like yeah, early 2000s. I worked there. Your age is showing. I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I those those books, they still resonate with me as well. Susie Shooter, Edward Scissors or uh, he was just Edward Scissorhands. Um, he but he uses an exacto knife for a pearl. Um, no, he was uh, uh, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street. The hell is name? Sweeney Todd. Thank you. He was just Sweeney Todd, but really tired all the time, which now that I think about it is just Sweeney Todd. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I I love the horror genre, dude. So you know, they, they still come through work all the time, too. So people are still grabbing the old paperbacks to read them. Mm. Do you get people checking out Twilight? No, I've not seen Twilight go through in forever. I still see Harry Potter go through all the time. Sure. I've not seen Twilight in forever. Um, not even like a book club. I haven't seen Fifty Shades of Grey go through in a while. Well. Yeah. Well. Uh, um, the horror one I want to get, and uh, unfortunately every book club in our area has done it, so that's just kind of rotating through book clubs, so I got to wait, is I really want to do Mexican Gothic. 
what? Mexican Gothic was a hardcover, huge push horror novel that came out last summer. And it crossed over out of just the horror fans and went to mainstream fiction fans. And so now all these like little old lady book clubs are actually reading it too. Mexican Gothic. Gothic. What? Oh man. Okay. Yeah. I kind of want to read it. Yeah. So I'm waiting for either paperback or for every book club to not have it. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Um, I actually went on a date with a girl to get laid to see Twilight. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you right now, it's sort not of worth work. it. Not. No, I mean, it, it wasn't because I had to sit through Twilight and I wasn't in the mood after that. Um, I wrote a Worst Things About Twilight for some British site that's now defunct. Mm-hmm. And it, it picked up some steam because here I was like adult male watching it, not teenage girl, which was most of the marketing for it. And my issue was every single one of them has something cool that you're like, oh, that would be a cool movie. And then that's not what the movie is at all. Like a single dad living in the Pacific Northwest trying to raise his teenage daughter in a town that he knows is full of monsters. And the old Indian chief is helping him along the way, but can only tell him so many of the secrets. Holy shit. That's a great story. Sure. That's not the story, though. <laughs> nope. No, nope. it's not what happened at all. <laughs> uh. But no, horror horror is a great genre, um, especially when it comes to comics. Like I said, have you ever read Rat God? Rat God? Yeah. No, I thought you were going to say Rat Queens. I'm like, Rat Queens isn't horror. Well, are you sure? No, it is not horror at all. <laughs> um, no, uh, Rat God is about a guy who goes into the middle of um, the wilderness. This looks it, disgusting in a good way. It's Dude, it's so gross. The whole book is disgusting to look at, but it's probably right up there with one of my favorites uh, because it messes with your mind. Um, and it also has a giant rat demon rat thing. So that's really cool. Yeah, I um, can't go. I can't go wrong with giant demon rats. <laughs> you, you really can't. And in fact, I have a demon rat and you can love him. He will try to eat you if you're mean to people and kids, but he will uh, he will destroy you. Um, you need other than that, need... he will kill you. And not, not that you need to spend more money on creating things, but some blue plushies would probably sell. You know, I know. <laughs> Trust me, I know. Um, I actually have a friend who does make plushies, so I am... I'm oh, nice. I want to work out a price with her, but because... I don't let people work for free unless they really want to. Yeah. Um, or they're like, oh, you know, I'll do this as a favor for you. Um, but I do want to make, try to get her to do them, but she's also really busy. Um, which is fine. I mean, everybody has a day job. Yeah. So I, I mean, we all wish we didn't, but we do. <laughs> Tell me about it. I work as a media assistant. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. Should I'm sure there's been lots of fun in recent years. <laughs> um, well, I so and on the actual podcast that I do, people think that I work at a strip club and that has been going on for the past three years. But if anybody pays attention to what I talk about and do, I don't I am not a bouncer at a strip club. I am five foot three and weigh like one hundred and ten pounds. <laughs> 
I am, well, actually, I probably am more of a problem than the big guy at the door, but I digress. But in a uh, different way, yeah. Exactly. Um, but I work at as a media assistant at a dental school. Um, so I actually do all of the cater. I plan all the catering and all the rooms and the events and everything. And I just, oh. I, I do, I'm essentially, I'm a, 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 I'm a glorified bitch worker. <laughs> uh, but it is a lot of fun because my boss is a huge X-Men fan. All right. Um, yeah. So him and I always talk about comic book stuff and he loves Mike Allred. So we always talk about iZombie and such. So iZombie is probably one of the other things that got me into comics as well. Um, because I just, so I just, I've read the first volume of iZombie and I never went back to it just because it kind of, I started watching the show and then I kind of forgot about it. But I decided to pick up the other three volumes of it and then finish it. That made me want to read more comics because, goddamn, nobody talks about the ending of iZombie. See, I never finish it. Not, um, yeah, I got time. I'll see if it's at work tomorrow. Dude, I'm telling <laughs> you, it's probably one of the best endings of a comic. And I wish people read it more. All right. For a ham-fisted segue, though. Sure. Ending of a comic, ending of the podcast, and we end it as we end all good things, and that's with you giving out your social media. Oh, my God. I don't have any social media. Oh, all right. Well, uh, nice. yeah, sorry. <laughs> no. So you can – so just like every podcast ends, you can follow me at Casual Nerd Chad on Twitter where you can see me screaming at the comic book Yeti for more often than I should be, but they are really <laughs> nice people. Um I actually did an interview with them, and they're, that's going to be coming up too soon. Um, and you can also follow us at Shots with Comics on Twitter as well. And if you want us to review your book, you can send it to shotswithcomics at gmail.com. Um, we will let you know we do not do fluff pieces. Please just know that. Do not send us hate mail after we review your books. You know who I'm talking about. <laughs> um we you can also follow um, Andrea at Art Anam. I, I'll I'll send that to you if you need it. Um, where she's actually working on a couple of things as well. And I think, oh, can I also mention something really stupid? Yeah. So I have a TikTok for my dog. <laughs> um, and it's also just an excuse to play with my dog for an hour while I work from home. Um, is where I will find a book, a comic book that I'm reading, and I will do a little blurb um, at the bottom, and I'll put the bo book next to Bo or on top of him, and he will be chewing on a bone while this little blurb is going. <laughs> it's it's the dumbest thing in the world, but I get to play with my dog, and I get to pick out comics for him, and I'm losing my mind as I work from home. <laughs> i am sure there are people that love it though and look forward to it it's i mean yeah dog people do because you can yeah. see my little terrier chewing on a bone and looking absolutely adorable isn't that right bo 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 well comic talk comic talk can be fun too though it is um you actually get a lot of people who do like the speed drawings um or you also get people who are just showing their collection of their graded comics and they just talk about them. Yeah. I know that doesn't sound fun for some people, but 
I like it. <laughs> oh. I, I like learning about what graded books you have. I fell into, um, at first it's like, oh, I actually like what this guy has to say. And then the more the algorithm figured me out, it was, here's cute girls talking about comics. Like, damn it. Damn, that is smart. <sighs> they knew what they were doing, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I ended up they they figured out me too where they'll show the people who are grading comic books and also the speed paintings they also show me warhammer miniatures as well i've get, been getting a lot of that lately too yep have you okay yeah that, i don't know how me. i i don't know either like i i didn't i don't even think i googled it at all or i looked it up or big brother was listening maybe that day um but as i was scrolling i was like oh cool a warhammer paint uh one and i pushed the follow button and then they all started flooding in so that's probably my downfall probably. or the um custom the custom action figures tiktok yep those are really cool um i really like those because they'll make all kinds of weird shit um like hybrids of all different types of characters like uh bizarro superman batman figure or or not superman batman whatever his name was he was composite, the half Batman half. Super, composite Superman or something like that. Composite Superman. Yes, yeah. him. And then there was also a, an X-Men character like that with two. And I can't remember his name. Hmm. You also will have forget me not as well, where it's just a blank wall. I love forget me not. I do too. <laughs> I love him and I love skin. I think he has the dumbest power in the world. Uh, anything's dumb depending on who the creator is. That is true. But then again, I also think Maggot is cool. Yeah. I mean, my favorite character is Speedball. Hell yeah. Dude, the new figure looks great. Yeah, I, I can't. I I think I'm getting three. You're getting three of them? I think I'm getting three. I want one in the package. I want one loose and I want one just to figure it out later on before it goes up in value. Fair enough. No, I but if that. I. Yep. Yeah, but if I start getting one loose now, I want to get Rage, Night Thrasher, nova and another firestar and i want to have a new warrior shelf i have night thrasher <laughs> it was a good figure too he's a shockingly yes um i like the fact that they brought back the ball joints like the the joint bending and everything yeah uh, that was really cool but he's actually out of the box and he cost me 30 dollars. I, I think that's what i saw at a con too and i'm like uh, i'll probably find it for cheaper later on there's other stuff i want to get today I'll figure it yeah. out later. That was, I was just trying to spoil myself. <laughs> I I spoiled myself bad the last con I went to. Bad. Like getting home and adding it up and going, oh God, no. Yeah. <laughs> so, I can't Motor do that City, one again. Motor City Comic Con last year, because that was the last con that we went to. Um, and just cons now, I feel like they're trying to get everything out of the way because they're all back to back. Yeah. Like all of them. I mean, my Facebook page every day, it's I'm going to be at this con. I'm going to be at this con. Guys, do you even sleep? <laughs> Probably not. No, they don't. But yeah, anyway, sorry, we got off topic. That's all right. Uh, if Chad brought you to me, welcome. Hope you enjoyed the show. My name is Kevin. You can follow this podcast, Hellions Talks, is presented by the Retro Network, which I also write for and show up on other podcasts within the network. I also appear on the Pop Culture Pub. Uh, podcast where I am the default American to talk about random things in pop and geek, geek culture from the week. And my own library is 
sorry, my own library. My own site is maskedlibrary.com, where I do comics, wrestling, and all sorts of other geeky topics. Chad, thank you so much for being here today. And I think as more stuff comes out, like a Kickstarter and whatnot, maybe we should uh, talk again, or I should at least post links to some cool stuff. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much for having me. Um, you're... It's really interesting being on the other side of the microphone. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, people want to talk to me. What do I say? But no, it was a huge honor, man. Thank you so much. Um, I Once my other books start picking up and coming out, I will definitely uh, send them out to you.